creeping up inside of me and the deficiencies that I have because I don't fuck or about it.
someone in their family is experiencing a disease. Or just in our own past, we look at our own experiences of life and we can all point to places where we can say, God, come on. Why? Why is this happening? Well, if I were to give you the short answer, the simple answer, it would come out of John 16, uh, 33. And uh, would you just read the first uh, sentence there with me? Just the first sentence so you hear it and get it, okay? You ready? This is Jesus talking. And he says, In this world you will have... Did you hear that? That's the short answer. I mean, uh, if you want to get home early to the package plate, if you want to get home early today, we can just kind of stop right there and I'll go have a coffee. Uh, because that's kind of the short answer. The short answer that Jesus reminds us of is that in our kind of world, the way the world is, trouble exists. It's just the way it is. No rhyme, no reason, no big uh, scheme around suffering and heartache. It's just the way it is. But that answer uh, doesn't always uh, make it for us. We have other contemporaries telling us the same thing besides Jesus telling us it's just the way it is. We could uh, quote a uh, modern uh, philosopher uh, and kind of paraphrase a modern philosopher whose words end up on a bumper sticker quite often. And the bumper sticker says, manure happens. You know that bumper sticker? Yeah, remember I said it was a paraphrase. You can paraphrase that yourself. But what's that bumper sticker trying to tell you? It's just the way it is. In a broken world, in the world we exist in, it's just the way it is. Today I'm going to try to go beyond that to understand it even more. <clears throat> and uh, to do that, we're going to start by giving you some uh, answers that are kind of hard, some hard answers, uh, and they're answers that you may not like. They aren't real popular, but they're truth. So we're going to give you some hard answers, then we're going to give you some head answers for all those folks that needed to just add up and be logical, uh, and then we're also going to try to give you some really strong hard answers. And those hard answers are our hope of how we So let's start with uh, a hard answer. You ready to go? And if you need the sheets, did you grab the sheets on the way in? I don't know if they were out or not. Let's uh, take a minute and hand out all the sheets, because you're going to want to take this on study for the week. Uh, pencils to fill in the blanks and all that stuff as we work through this today and try to figure out and understand uh, how come it's not so good there's so much bad in the world. So we'll just take a break here. Uh, you can catch up if you haven't gotten them yet. We'll get one, otherwise we don't get out of here. We're going to take a 
give you the first hard answer. You ready? The first hard answer is, some of the harsh things in this world are initiated by a God who is simply enforcing justice. Simply enforcing justice. It's a hard reality for us to grab hold of, but it's simply a truth of the order of the way the world is. That, you know, when God created this great universe of ours, he created it with order. And there are certain laws built into the order of the creation of the universe. And that's a reflection also of God's character. And so when it comes to God, there is a certain order in God's character, and there are certain laws about God's character. And one of those simple laws is that God hates sin. And so when sin happens, he pronounces a judgment on that kind of sin. And that's where suffering comes into play. Because suffering comes into the world because of that powerful thing called sin. Let's look at it this way. Imagine, if you will, a world where there is no suffering, where there is no pain, where it is absolutely impossible for anybody to inflict uh, pain or suffering on anybody else. Imagine that world. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that world would be the way God originally created things, except for one small thing. You see, in that world, if it were impossible, if it were absolutely impossible for anybody to experience suffering or pain or disappointment, it would also mean that it would be absolutely impossible for us to have freedom. We would have any freedom. We would simply be robotic relationships where there wouldn't be any possibility for us to choose anything bad. You understand that? Freedom in our relationship with God is necessary for us to be able to choose to love God. And so when God created the world, he created the world with no pain, no suffering, none of that stuff. But he also, out of his love for us, put into the world the order of the freedom for us to choose. And with that freedom came the ability to choose bad things. And when we chose bad things, then sin came into the world. And God's enforcement of justice began to take place. See, part of the freedom that God ordered in the world, it gives us the freedom to just choose to love God more than anything else, also gives us the freedom that creates the possibility for us to hurt somebody else as well. And in God's order of things, God also creates a judgment on those things. We may not like to hear it, but the reality is it's an ordered part of our world if we're supposed to have the freedom to choose the love God. Number two, God normally doesn't violate the law of harvest. So our choices always, always, always have consequences. So in that world where we have the freedom to choose to love God or not love God, and the freedom to choose to do good things or to do bad things, when we choose to do the bad things, there's always a consequence to that choice. 
And suffering came into the world and it exists in the world because we choose the bad things. Let me give you an example from my own life. Some of you may know uh, my early upbringing, the story of my life a little bit. But when I was 13 years old, my father was killed uh, in an automobile accident. He was killed in an automobile accident because of a drunk driver. Okay? What did it mean? It means that on that particular day, while my dad got up and decided to work on the farm and decided to go up and have uh, lunch with uh, my mother and uh, drive back towards the farm, on that very same day, another fellow, whose name I don't know and will never know, he got up that morning and he decided he wanted to drink his breakfast in a bar. And so he spent the morning in the bar and he decided he would get behind his car wheel and drive drunk. And his bad choice, his series of bad choices, caused the death of my father. And it caused pain and suffering in my family. Bad choices had the potential for significantly painful consequences. That's why Paul reminds us in Galatians 6, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What a man reaps, what he sows. When we make bad choices, we can bring suffering into our own lives or into the lives of other people. It's part of the order of justice of the world. It's just the way it works. Okay, we get the hard questions or the hard answers. Let's go to some head answers now. Let's go to some head answers. Number one head answer would be that God is not the creator of evil and suffering. If you follow up what I've been saying, uh, that freedom is part of the order of the world that God created so that we can choose to love Him. In that freedom, we can choose to do bad things. And so God didn't create evil in the world and place it in the world. He created the world as good. But we chose to invite evil into the world. In our freedom, we bring it into the world. Let me give you an example. Um, an amazing thing is this thing right here. Right? This hand. This is an incredible creation of God. Isn't it? How it works. This thing is absolutely fantastic. And I can, in the freedom of the use of this hand, choose to use this hand in a wonderful, tender way and caress my wife. And that's a good thing. Right? Yeah, that's a good thing. In a wonderful, tender, tender way, I can express love and caring and compassion and caress my wife with this hand. And with this very same hand, I can create pain and bruises and scars in my Jesus. Good? And I invite the evil into our relationship when I do that. When I choose to cause the pain and the bruises, I invite the evil into our relationship. There are two kinds of evil loose out there in the world. One is a man-made evil, that's what I'm talking about here, and the other is a natural evil. In the natural evil, we can go back to that experience of creation, and we can go into Genesis 1, and we can see in Genesis 1, where when God created everything he created, he said, it's good, right? Looks 
But by the time you get to Genesis 3.18, after Adam and Eve have invited evil into the world and they've chosen selfishness, sin, as opposed to following the path of God, by Genesis 3.18, you have loose in the world thorns and thistles. What does it mean? When we invited evil into the world, it infiltrated all of creation. It's not just a surface thing. It infiltrates all of creation. It infiltrates all of the creative process. Why are people born with horrendous diseases or disformities or struggles? How does that happen? Well, because evil has penetrated all of the creative processes. It's not just a service thing. It's involved in everything. Mental, physical, it's involved. And so our bodies in our incredible... The marble that they're made can also become places where disease exists because the darkness and evil infiltrates all of creation. And so now we've got thorns and thistles. And when you're out there working in your yard, you take that long tool, you go down there and you dig out that thistle and you pull the thistle off and you've got a root about that long, what's left in the ground? About that much. And sure enough, within a few weeks, what's happening? It's back! Right? Why? Because it's infiltrated all of creation. It just exists in the fiber, in the fabric of a broken world. Paul would say it this way in Romans 8.22. All creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present. It is in the world and it's infiltrated the world because we in our weakness invited in when we choose anything but God. So we've got to be really clear. As we answer this question, we've got to be really clear about a few things. Number one is to be really clear that God did not create evil. God didn't create evil. Number two, God did not create suffering. He didn't create suffering. And number three, God didn't create deaths. We invited all that in. In our own rebellion. Get it? Alright, let's move on then. If we move on from there, then we understand, okay, what about this suffering, if God is so good, what about this suffering stuff? Uh, Number two would be, through suffering, even though it's not good, God can and does use it to accomplish good. So even though God didn't create it, even though God didn't choose it, when suffering does come upon us, God is still willing to be involved in it, and God can even use suffering for our good. For instance, God can use pain to draw people to himself. On the day that my dad died, we were put in the back seat of a car. We were taken up to my, uh, up to my mom when she was at work. And we got out and we you know, went into her little place of work and we got the news that my father was killed. And then out of there we went and right into the back seat of that car. And you know who was in the back seat of that car? God was. I can tell you, that day, God was in the back seat of that car. And I may not have known him as well as I knew him before that, but I can tell you, on that day, I encountered God in an incredible new way. And there is nobody in this world that's ever going to convince me that God doesn't exist, because I can point to the time and the place where God sat in the back seat of the car with me. That's what that suffering moment created. 
in my life. In that time of my pain and my suffering and the news of the death of my father, as I was in the backseat of that car, I understood clearer than ever that God is tremendously real. Suffering comes. It has the opportunity within it to draw us closer to understanding how real and loving God is. C.S. Lewis said it this way, God whispers to us in our pleasures, he speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse the deaf world. Or on a more personal level, if you know the story of Johnny Erickson Todd, anybody know Johnny? Uh, strong Christian girls, a young woman, I think high school or college age, as a young woman she was involved in a diving accident that left her a paraplegic. And uh, so she says, makes her witness, and she says these words, incredible words, I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing God than on my feet without Him. Isn't that awesome? See, it is the understanding that even in our suffering, even though God didn't create it, even though God didn't desire it, even though it comes upon us, God chooses to use it to draw us closer to Him. Second thing, God can use even our trials to sharpen the character of, of each one of us and to help us become more like Jesus. Paul would say to the Romans this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure, and endurance develops strength of character in us. I am who I am today because of the experience of my Father. It is part of my character going through that suffering experience has created part of who I am. Because God can use those experiences to accomplish just that. Athletes would say it this week. This way, athletes would say, no pain, no... Heard that before, right? No pain, no gain. In the pain, we can look for the gain of God developing our character. Uh, Hebrews would say, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Even Jesus could understand that in his suffering was the development of his character and understanding of his relationship with the Father. Our trials sharpen and develop the character of who we are. See, God sometimes disciplines his children to teach them the right path to take. Were any of you, when you were growing up, sent to your room by your parents? Nobody in this house was sent to your room by their parents? Sure you were, right? Yeah, okay, you can admit it. Sin is admittable. Now, why did they do that? Did they do that because they said, you know what, let's just get rid of the kid for a little while and send him to the room and get a break, right? Probably not. Probably not, right? Maybe once in a while, but probably not. Most of the time, when they sent you to the room, they were sending you there because you had done something wrong. And they sent you to the room to discipline you because they wanted you to learn. They wanted you to learn and develop your character. When suffering comes upon us, not that God chooses to bring it into our life, but when it does, God can use even suffering to teach us. To teach us. Hebrews says, 
Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful. But afterwards there will be a right harvest, a right living for those who are trained in this way. God can even use our suffering to discipline us and keep us on the right path. Paul would say to the Romans this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God can use even our sufferings to keep us on the path of those purposes for which he dreams and has created us. Get it? Not that he causes it, not that he brings it about, but that he can use it for those kinds of purposes. Or as it leads, leads us to understand that God uses bad circumstances to bring about good ends. You remember the story of Joseph? Remember the guy who had that fancy coat back in the Old Testament? Right? Yep, fancy coat. The brothers were jealous of him, so what they do? They sold him. They sold him into slavery. So down to Egypt he went. When he was down in Egypt, he was a slave. He got thrown in jail. He went through all kinds of problems. And eventually he becomes number two in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And his brothers show up. And his brothers show up looking for food. And when his brothers are in front of him and he finally reveals who he is, here's what he says to his brothers. As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the, to the high position I have today so I can save the lives of many people. God can use even our suffering to keep us on track to accomplish incredible good purposes. Number three, the day is coming when suffering will cease and evil will be judged. There's people in the world who say, hey, wait a minute. If God is so good and if God is so powerful, why doesn't God just take away all the suffering? Have you heard that before? If God's so great, how come God just doesn't take away all the suffering? You ready for the answer? He has. He already has. We just have to wait for the outcome. He already has. He accomplished taking away all the suffering in the world when his son suffered in our place on that hillside outside Jerusalem, and when that stone rolled away and Jesus walked out alive, God said, no more suffering. We just have to wait. Wait until that final day when the final chapter comes to a close. And suffering is done. God's already accomplished the answer to the question. He has already wiped out the suffering. The challenge for us is expressing patience as we wait for the fulfillment. And why wait? Why doesn't he just do it? He's waiting because there's more people that don't know him. He's waiting because there's still people in the world who don't understand Jesus Christ as the Lord of life. And he's waiting for us, even in our suffering, to show them and tell them. The greatest witness we can make in the world is when suffering comes upon us and we stand up and say, hey, God is with me. 
See, people are always watching us, and when they're watching us, and we're going through the challenges and the suffering, they're going to look at us and say, gee, how did they do that? And the only answer is, I don't. It's because Jesus Christ is alive in me that I can experience this with confidence and hope. That's what makes the difference. Peter would say it this way, the Lord isn't really being slow about his return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he's giving more time for everyone to repent. God is just waiting. He's already dealt suffering his final blow. Number four, suffering, the, one, the suffering we experience in this life pales in comparison to the good God has in store for his followers. Listen to the Apostle Paul for a minute and uh, just get your kind of suffering meter going, okay? And just kind of... How much suffering is Paul talking about as he looks at his own life? You ready? All right. Here's what he says. I've worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Remember, 40 lashes and you're dead. Okay? Five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea, I've traveled many weary miles, I've faced danger from flooded rivers and from robbers, I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles, I've faced danger in cities and the deserts and on stormy seas, I've lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights, often I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food, often I've shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. How are you doing on your meter? Anybody want to sign up? Oh, that's right, we already did. You see, that's discipleship, isn't it? Whatever it takes because of Jesus Christ. Is he concerned about his suffering? Not at all. Why? Because he could also say these words to the same Corinthian people. Our present troubles are what? Quite small. You see that? Our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurable great glory that will last forever. Or I can say to the Romans, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. Or I can say to the Corinthians again, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you get it? We can't understand greatness that God has in store for each one of us. God has taken care of suffering and pain. We just have to wait and look for that time that will last forever. Let me finish it up with this one. What if what if you would start uh, January 1st, 2008 and uh, if on January 1st, 2008 you would have the most absolutely worst day Life. I mean the worst. That everything, everything, everything went wrong in your life on January 1st. You went to the dentist and you had a root canal and the anesthetic wore off before the procedure was done. Bang, right? I mean, if you had a car accident on the way home from the IRS, you finally got home and you opened your mailbox and find out you were being audited by the IRS and your best friend just betrayed you somehow. Bad day. I mean, this would be the most horrible, terrible day you could ever possibly imagine, January 1st, 2008. 
Well, what if on January 2nd and for the rest of the year, you have the most incredible time of your life? What if on January 2nd you woke up and it was the lottery people calling you and telling you you just won $100 million in the lottery? What happened if you just got promoted to your dream job? What would happen if you got news that you could play with Tiger Woods and you went and played with Tiger Woods and you beat him? It would be like the most awesome and incredible year of your life. Your marriage was idyllic. Everything was fantastic. And on New Year's Eve night, somebody came up to you after that whole year and said, So, how was your year? You would say, Whoa! Get one! Fantastic! Well, there was one day in there. Hey? That's what it means for us to look to each other. This is such a strong time. And the suffering that we experience while painful and difficult such a small thing. Because God has already answered the question. And there will be a time much longer when there will be no pain, when there will be no suffering.